So Money Episode 718, Tammy Party, real estate guru. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. If you love real estate, today's episode is for you. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. We have a very special guest on So Money today. She has sold over $3 billion worth of real estate. So if you're thinking about buying or selling or doing anything with property, as I know some of us are, this episode is all for you. We have the CEO and founder of LA's number one real estate company, Tammy Party. We're going to discuss the best real estate moves to make this year, how Tammy built her multi-million dollar company from scratch, some important money lessons she learned from childhood, and how she balances her real estate empire with running a household of, get this, not one, not two, not three, but four children. I was taking some notes, let me tell you. Here we go. Here is Tammy Party. Tammy Party, welcome to So Money. It's great to connect with you. Thank you for having me today. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Let me tell you, our audience loves to learn about real estate, myself included. So this is a real opportunity for us, having you on the show as someone who has sold over $3 billion worth of real estate, both residential and commercial. You're the number one real estate company in Los Angeles. But I'd like to start with a fun fact, or maybe you wouldn't call it fun. It's interesting. I dug up something about you, which is pretty... I just want to ask you about it. So... <laughs> I know. What is it? I'm, I'm okay, go ahead. What is it? Such a buildup. Um, I read that you used to work for Sharon Stone in the heyday and that you called it a very difficult job. You felt so empty as a person, never wanted to feel that way again. Is that what was the catalyst for going out there and striking out on your own as an entrepreneur as a, in real estate? Yeah, I think so. It was like I saw, you know, Sharon was, Sharon was, I learned a lot from Sharon because you can learn from good or bad in people. And I learned some great things from her and I learned some things I didn't want to, didn't want to keep doing, you know, in, in business. But I also realized that I wanted to be my own boss. I didn't want to be somebody's shadow ever. And um, so that was definitely something that, that affected me and really catapulted me into the next arena of my life, if you will. Working, living and working in Hollywood, Los Angeles, that is unique, just like living and working in New York is unique compared to the rest of the country, the world. Uh, talk about some of the advantages to being out in Hollywood, Los Angeles for someone who wants to build a real estate business. Here's, I mean, I'm from Oregon. So I actually left Oregon because I felt in Oregon, there was a glass ceiling. And actually in Los Angeles, I feel like you can be anyone and people are very accepting here. And as a woman owned business, I feel like I've gotten a lot of support throughout the Los Angeles community and Hollywood. And I mean, just everyone I've met actually. So I think it's been great. I do. And it's a creative environment and it's kind of crazy and funny and you just have to laugh and roll with the punches here. And just like New York, the value of real estate is unmatched there. And so, I mean, I just love looking at some of the homes, the celebrity homes that go on the market. And then you get to sort of imagine what it's like to live in their 18,000 square foot villas. I'm 
I'm sure you've seen your fair share of them. What do you <laughs> what do you credit most to your success, Tammy? I heard you talk earlier about having the the opportunity to have, to be supported and to work in a creative environment. But what would you say is the is the number one reason for your success as someone who's built quite the the, the, the empire, I can call it that, a real estate empire, $3 billion worth of real estate. I, you know, one thing I, I don't give up and I always like look at a situation and if I'm confused at a situation, I try to figure it out right away. And if something, if a deal goes south, I'm the first one to call and say, Hey, this looks like this is happening. Let's fix it. Let's go here. Let's do this. There's always a plan A, B and C with me. Also, I think it's really important in our relationships and in business to connect with people and to be real. And if you mess up, tell them and then also tell them how you're going to fix it. So 57% of my clients are return or repeat. The average person in real estate is 11%. So people want that. They want to know that you have their back. And if, if there's a mistake, you're going to own it and you're going to fix it and you're going to move forward. Right. Because like so many other kinds of businesses, relationship, it's all about relationship that you ultimately have to be able to connect well with your client because here in New York, for example, uh, some sellers don't even hire real estate agents because the market is that hot. You just hire an attorney. But then I think that there is something to, there's value in working with someone who's got your back, who can walk, who can help you navigate through it, who can best position your home in the real estate market. And as a real estate agent, if you're not a good people person, you're out of the game. And the thing is, I actually teach on this. It's funny to everybody that works with me. It's like the connection even is so nonverbal. So we actually do classes on really body language and how to talk to people and how to match their tonalities. And, you know, we get gift, little gifts for people if it's their birthday or if they're sick or, you know, it's just, it's all about, it is, it's people, we're living in such an unconnected world right now and they're trying to disconnect real estate even more. But the thing is emotionally, real estate is very important to people. People's homes is one of the most important really the most important financial tra- transaction they can ever make. And they want, they really want someone that they trust through that process. And in order to gain that trust, it's connection. And it's also like mirroring a lot. We do a lot of mirroring with people and really just, you know, have, let's have coffee, let's have lunch. So let's, let's be together. So that's been really important and, and really helped our company grow. You have a little empire at home too. You have four kids. <laughs> I do. And I, I read too that you realized that you needed a professional purpose after your first child was born. Take us back to that moment. Uh, when, what, why did that, that epiphany – it doesn't happen to every mom. They don't all, not all moms have that realization, but you did. I did. I had a really colicky child and um, she would not stop crying and – I remember sitting at the mommy and me groups and she was crying and crying. And I thought, I can't, I can't do this. I can't just do this. And I think stay at home moms, I think it's the most difficult job. And I take my hat off to every single one of them because it truly is more difficult than what I do. Um, but I also realized in that and I'm doing some nonprofit work right now on it is these moms are so talented that they're not only my allies in creating this empire. So I, in that mommy and me group, I had nine girls and women in there, moms, and I sold them four houses in the first two years. And then they talked and then they talked and then they talked. So it was all about relating to them too. That's actually how it kind of catapulted me. So it was the mom groups. There are so many people in this audience that are interested in the real estate market, like I mentioned. And so we have to ask you, what's your temperature read on the market this year? 
Uh, is it a good time to buy, sell, rent? And I know that a lot of this isn't about, you shouldn't look at real estate as a timing thing, but that's the reality. We want to make sure that we're, you know, if we have you on the podcast, why not ask you this question as someone who's in this market day in and day out? Right. So here's the thing. What Los Angeles in general, we just don't have a lot of inventory here and we're not building, you know, downtown Los Angeles is a little bit different, but West Los Angeles from really, I mean, Beverly Hills West, they're, they're not building a lot of properties. So we have always had an, a, a market that's been very positive over here. I think that we're going to be at about a 9% gain this year. And historically we were at 11 to 17%, depending on you know, literally street by street. So it's still a really good time to buy. If you look in like the Venice area, for example, over the last 20 years, on average, we've had an 11% increase per year. So it's a very good investment. Very good. And and actually compared to New York and San Francisco, we're still a reasonable place to buy. I mean, I know it's a million dollars and that's a lot of money, but on a major in a major city, and that's actually a house, not a condo. So there's still areas that you can do that. So that's that's you know, good to know. Yeah. I watch a million dollar listing on Bravo. <laughs> I'm a little behind. Have you ever been approached to have a TV show? And if you have, why, why haven't you pursued it? I have, I was supposed to do one for NBC actually. Um, it was like a shark tank of real estate and then relativity went belly up. So then that ended. Ah. Um, and I've been on million dollar listing. That's not really the reality of, um, yeah. <laughs> Of real estate. <laughs> so I just, if I, you know, here's the thing. It's so it's, I would want to be a serious, you know, somebody serious out there and helping people actually make money doing it and not be, you know, just kind of more, less drama, less drama, more, more real actually. Well, at least in the New York version of it, some of the guys are actors. That was their former life. So there you go. Right. <laughs> uh, I love to ask our guests about their childhood and you've actually talked about this in other articles. Um, your father was a home builder, your mom, a home designer and a builder. This was very much your, in your DNA to kind of rise to this career path. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely in my DNA. I used to clean up construction sites. So I actually know how to build a house. I know what it looks like to put windows in and toilets. And so it's funny when I walk a house and I look at, walk a construction site, I'm like, Oh, this, you have two more months or you have six. I mean, I'm always spot on on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I love houses. I love homes. Love them. What's a memory from growing up that really exemplifies you know, your typical experience growing up in a household that was so real estate focused? You know, I have to be honest with you. I grew up, you know, in the 70s and 80s. And I actually remember when we had the big downfall in the 80s. And, you know, I own a lot of real estate. And I actually which is probably against what most people would do is I have a lot of equity in a lot of my houses and, and commercial buildings, because I remember when the market crashed and the interest rates were 16% and everybody was freaking out. And I remember thinking at a very young age, I never ever want to have, you know, owe more than 50% of the value of a property. So I always put 50% down on everything I buy. Wow. I just, it just makes me feel comfortable. And to be honest with you, it's been a really great thing because I never worry about money. And if you're not worried about money, it comes to you. The way that we go about buying homes, we mortgage them. And it's usually the biggest chunk of our budget, maybe after childcare or before childcare. That is more than you can handle. Then none of the other chips are going to fall into place. Your budget will be out of sorts. And so, yeah, if you can, try to reduce that cost as much as possible. Right. And the thing is, here's the thing too, is, is that 
people sit there and they say to me, they're like, I want this big house. It's like, just get in the market in a condo. Because if you get in the market, especially in Los Angeles, it will go up and then you can catapult that to the next one. And you might be four houses or four places in before you get to the house you really want, but you're in the marketplace then. And you're building equity in that as we go. So that's really important to do. That's a good point. Just get in the market somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's hard the, the when you're young though, especially millennials today, you know, they're saddled with debt. They're not making very high salaries. They know that real estate can be a wise investment for the long run, but they're just, especially in markets like New York, where you need at least the 20 or 30% down payment, that can be a real hard thing to to navigate. We actually suggest people like we open an office in the desert and a lot of people are buying little places out there for 200,000 and they're VRBOing them out and they're making money. So it's like funny because there are other options, especially in Los Angeles where you can go to Big Bear or you can go to Palm Desert or different like little areas around Ventura, you know, and buy something smaller. And because of VRBO out there and Airbnb, they're able to rent them and make a little bit of money. And then at least they're in. That's right. You kind of go outside where you live, expand your radius, and, and get an investment property. Use the cash flow to save to put towards maybe your next real place that will you'll actually live in. Exactly. And then actually what usually happens is those investment properties go up and then they can flip those into another property and keep just keep the money moving and keep it moving is important. But get in the market first. That's the most important. the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break-in, they use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime, and that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your house. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning, and it's all monitored 24 7 by live security professionals. You can set it up yourself with no tools needed, or they can do it for you, and it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com slash so money. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash so money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash so money. Tammy, a hard question, but an important one, because we're hearing chatter about that we're going back to our terrible practices from 2004, 5, 6, 7, what led ultimately to the real estate crash of of uh, the Great Recession. And I, I wonder, do you think there can be a repeat of that to some extent? I, I don't think so. It doesn't feel that way at all. I mean, in 2007, 2008 was like, you could feel it. You just knew something was coming. And I don't feel that way now. I actually don't. I think that people, especially well, in our brokerage, we're very you know, we really go through all the numbers with people and make sure people are safely walking into an investment and they're not house poor going into it. So I don't see that as, as, you know, I see a little bit of a correction, but not like, not what happened there. No. How did Los Angeles do in that time frame? And how did your business manage? Well, Los Angeles in our areas, we lost about 17% over two years, but three years later we were up 
5% over what we lost. So it was kind of an interesting, it was like a very quick dive and back up. Mm-hmm. For me, my business, we went up, I think it was 95% we gained market share because we didn't put people in those loans. I mean, we were really, we were really like very talked through our clients with everything and saying, you shouldn't be in this loan or you should, or you, we, we really tried to deal with it at the beginning because I thought it was when you feel funny inside or when I feel funny, I don't let my clients go into those situations. I'm like, this doesn't feel right. So we actually got a lot of market share. A lot of agents got out of the market and because we were steadfast and we were strategic also in saying, this is like people that were in trouble. We would literally come in and be like, this is what you need to do and lay out a plan. And we're like, we got to follow this plan. Boom. And we would do it with them. And honestly, they were super appreciative because they didn't know what to do. People got in some serious messes. That's putting it lightly. But going back to strategy for, for people who are first-time buyers, I know that you're you're concentrated in California, but for people that are listening all over the country, what are some pockets of the U.S. you think that are still good investments in terms of real estate? I mean, here's I, I think Portland, Oregon, like all around Portland is an, an amazing area to go into. Um, I think Ventura area in California is, is still really good. I think that there's areas in Colorado that are really great. Um, you know, I think you, people really want an indoor outdoor that like Portland and Colorado have to, to offer. Um, some places in Wyoming are good. I would, you know, and even like the, the Palm desert and the desert in California is really good because you can still get places for 200 and there's so much going on out there. It's incredible actually. Yeah. And what's one way to find out if there's, this is an area where there will be growth or do you go and you check like the the building permits to see what, you know, what developers are creating and I mean, how, what's a good way to measure that? I do. I mean, the thing is, is I go in and I see who I, I try to read and read everything to see what companies are moving in. Like if there's any big tech companies moving in, just for instance, Apple just went into Culver city. And before that happened, I was like, Oh, it's so that's where we need to be buying. Right. And like Snapchat's moving their office from Venice to Santa Monica. And we knew that about that before. So really, you know, what I do is I just do a ton of research. I read, 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 read and see what companies are going in because the jobs are going to bring the people in. Right. So I think that that's important to kind of have a leg up on that because overbuilding can be bad. Actually, some, you know, Utah had some of that major overbuilding and the market went down for a while. In Brooklyn. Salt Lake City. Exactly. I live in Brooklyn and it's thriving in many ways, but I think that developers got a little too condo happy and they're just overbuilt. And a lot of it is luxury rental. And I sort of feel like if you're going to spend $8,500 a month on a luxury condo unit, you might, and you can afford it. You're probably at the point where you now can buy something. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, sometimes it's like, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Right. You can buy something for a, you know, and have a much smaller monthly payment if you can, you know, of course you'll need a down payment, but what would you say is something that right now you're currently saving up for a big ticket item? This is a question we ask now of our guests sponsored by Chase Slate. Uh, yeah. What's a big ticket item that you're really excited to purchase in the near future? I'm not a big shopper, to be honest with you. Um, the biggest thing that I buy is I buy all my, I buy buildings. So mine is I actually get ready because we are having a little bit of a market correction so I save up money because I like to buy within market corrections. So I would say I'm saving money to buy a building. 
And um, I really want to take my family, all four of my kids, on a trip to Europe this summer. So those are my two items. What are your <laughs> that's that's nice. I, I know traveling with four kids, I can't be inexpensive. Where are you um, thinking of going? Uh, they want to go to Croatia and Greece. And what are so, their ages? 14, 11, and two six-year-olds. Oh, twins. But the six-year-olds don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they just want to go. <laughs> they just want to go. They just want to go along for the ride. That's cute. Right. <laughs> what uh, What would you say was your so money moment in your career so far? Like, was there a, was there a moment when your career went from good to great? What was that time? It was funny. It was actually my first year, and I remember I worked at Remax. And there was this huge, they had this banquet, these big banquets. And I never went to those, but I, I did this time. And they were talking about this person that was like, they were like, oh, and then they sold $33 million of real estate and they made $700,000. And I was like, who is this person? And all of a sudden they said my name. And I was like, I didn't even realize I did all that. And it was literally my first year of real estate. And I thought, I made $700,000 my first year doing this. I'm like, I'm really, I think I'm really good at this. That was it. Was it scary to venture out on your own? No, because when I started at Remax, I actually didn't even use any of their logos or anything. So I was basically on my own just using their insurance because I didn't realize that I could just go buy my own insurance. And so when I realized I could, I was like, oh, well, I'll just do that and start my own company. That's what I did. What were those first years like? As as many people who listen to the show, they're thinking about starting their own business. They're already in the infancy of it. And it can be a really scrappy time. So do you remember that time well in terms of how you made your your money work for you? Is it I don't know, maybe it all just came raining the first <laughs> the first no, day. First, here's the thing is you have to spend money to make money. And people forget that. And so the money that I made, I would you know, I would buy gifts. I would buy Starbucks cards for, if I sold a condo in a building, I would buy, and they had a hundred people in there. I'd buy $10 Starbucks cards for everybody, thanking them for allowing me to sell in their building. So I was always like, you know, if I would make some money, I would spend it. And I would say hi to everyone. And honestly, I would just, I worked a lot. You work a lot and you work smartly. I mean, I was putting out my own signs with my baby in the back seat and I was like jumping out of the car and throwing them down and running through a town that way. So it was definitely a lot of work. I think becoming a mom gives you this newly found grit, right? Like you have to now make a living because your livelihood and your children's livelihood depends on it. How much did that factor into your success? It, I mean, I, it was probably the biggest factor. As a matter of fact, I call my first child the golden child because it was like when I saw her, all I could think, I, all I could think about was I have to support this little one for the rest of my life. And I want her to have an amazing life. And I also want to show her what it's like to work. Because I think for me, that was important to show my kids, like, this is what it is. It's not easy to make a dollar. And you, you do everything. You clean up. And if I go to a house and there's literally dog poop everywhere, guess who's cleaning it? I am. <laughs> Still? Still to this day? Yeah. So I don't care. I, <laughs> yeah, I will. You're yeah. in it to win it. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah. good thing. We're good. <laughs> what is a money habit that you practice, Tammy? Like a you know practice that you have that's maybe weekly or quarterly that you do with your finances that helps to sort of keep things rolling. One of the a couple of things that I do is I always when I make a big big decision on on buying something, I always sleep on it. And I always actually too, I think it's really important to look for the best deal. 
so a lot of times you're, you know, you can buy a pair of pants, but you can find them for you know $30 less. So I always just do, do research and say, what, what is this? What can I buy this for? And what can I do? You know, not, not spending frivolously. It's just, I mean, I just started flying first class and only by myself last year. And I was like, I'll just fly coach. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> That's interesting because it seems like if I was someone who had a $3 billion company, I might splurge a lot or at least a little. (laughs) Do you have any splurges? You know, I give a lot of money back to charities. So I do that. So I've given over a million dollars back. And so I um, basically I have a, a program called Life Change Warrior and I take homeless women and I teach them what they're, you know, teach them to fish basically. And then I fund one of their dreams. So that's my splurge. And that that's about $150,000 a year. At least I spend on that. Tammy, let's do some so many fill in the blanks. This is when I start a sentence and then you just finish it. First thing that comes to mind. Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say you won a hundred million. Someone in New York, I think just made like $450 million in the mega whatever drawings. Can you imagine? Okay. So if that was you, the one, the first thing I would do is I would give it to charity for the homeless in LA. We have a huge homeless problem here and I'd love to help with that. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better or both is I have an awesome nanny and I have a full-time cleaning person that I love. (laughs) So I don't clean. You have, uh, you've cloned yourself domestically and in, in all sorts of ways. Because you have your wife. <laughs> yeah. Hi, it's actually chapter seven in my book, my last book, or chapter six, Buy Yourself a Wife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Advice for breadwinning women. Um, cool. Okay. We already asked about your splurges. How about this? One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is? I'd say the, the impor- it's not as important as everyone thinks. I think everyone puts so much importance on it and all they think about is money. But if you stop thinking about it and you just start working and creating and doing what you love, you will make money, period. And I am Tammy Party. I'm so money because? Oh, gosh. I was going to say I'm so money because I really don't care that much about money. I care more about just connecting and loving my life with my kids. Great story. Such a pleasure connecting with you. Thanks for the advice on real estate. and (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Tammy for joining So Money. Her website is haltonparty.com. On Instagram, she is at haltonparty, and the personal account is at Tammy Halton Party. Don't worry about writing down all of those links. We have them for you at somoneypodcast.com. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh and let me know what's on your money mind, how you're struggling with student loans or how you want to save more or hit a crossroads at work in your career, a snag maybe. Let me know. Maybe I can help. And if you want to co-host, that's also where you can let me know. Click on Ask Farnoosh. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. <laughs>